Hello everyone and welcome to episode 13. Ooh, unlucky for some, but very lucky for us because we have the amazing Ben Mantle here today. How are you, Ben? I'm very good, thank you. I mean, a, a little bit tired, but you know, that's um, that's a two-year-old and a one-year-old for you, so, uh, but, but all good. Yes. Oh, got the kids in there straight away, Ben. Very good. <laughs> ben is a father of two. Ben is a father of two. I think I'm, I'm just putting out caveats so people know why I sound this tired. If you fall asleep halfway through and start snoring, it's not because you're bored of me. <laughs> yeah, just edit that bit out. Uh, anyway, right, so Ben, I'm going to read out your biog, bio, biog, and then we're going to have a chat and everything, which I'm looking forward to because we haven't caught up for a little while, so we've got lots to chat about. So here we go. Ben Mantle began his illustration career early, picking up his first award in a local library colouring in competition age seven. That is good going, isn't it? <laughs> what, were you, what was it you were colouring in? So what? I feel like, I mean, this might be a first for your podcast, but I feel like I need to come clean in that that's, that's not actually true. Do you know who won that competition? My twin. I was going to say, was it your brother? Yeah, it, no, it genuinely was. And I think I think that's almost what my entire career has been built on ever since. Just, um, just proving to myself that I'm better than him <laughs> at drawing. Wow. He's a civil engineer now, so it's not like we compete, but... Um, no, yeah, that bit of the bio is, is already a, is a farce. So I feel like I've I've started strongly, but um, we have start start always start with a lie, Ben. It's how you've got so far in your career. <laughs> it was I think we had to colour in a, an anthropomorphic fireman thing at our local library, and um, yeah, here's to, I'll be honest with you, mine was mine was better. That's oh, okay. here's the thing, you know how some art judging can be a little bit. A little bit, especially for children. Well, mine was mine was within the lines, and I feel like they gave him sympathy marks, if anything. So, um... well, sometimes, see, um, especially if there's parents helping, inverted commas, bunny ears with my fingers, um, because if it looks a bit too good and a bit too neat, even if the child is talented, they just think that the parents done it, so they're like, oh, I don't think so. Do you know what? You're making me feel a little bit better about it. I used yeah. it might look like an adult had done it at the age of seven is that is that what you're saying there you go i had a similar thing although i don't think it, there was a competition um when i was at primary school we had a fancy dress day there must have been a competition but i don't remember winning or who won um and i was heavily into transformers at that time don't be shocked ben i know you thought i was going to say my little pony but no <laughs> at that time it was transformers, it was transformers. Um, and dad made the most amazing um that this sounds rude now um there is a brilliant transformer called hot rod oh i, I know the one yeah 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 Roddy must prime come on yeah. um three of them came out at the time uh, um, in one go in that collection there was hot rod there was cup and there was another one and i remember even at that young age it must have been about eight or nine or something and cup was teal and turquoise and gray in color and i remember cup being my favorite even though he was like a boring lorry or something i loved the color it's not it's not a good name is it i mean hot rod is pretty cool so so i um i had grommets when i was a kid at, at hospital right you know what you know when they, they put them in your ears or whatever and and yeah. my present for being in hospital was was star screen star oh, that was a baddie wasn't it yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was a baddie. I'm not sure what that says about me. Uh, no, I don't. But, um, so Dad made the most incredible hot rod costume, and it was blatantly made by a parent. Uh, it looked so good, and it sort of st stood out for all the right and wrong reasons. 
Um, so yes, I clearly not made it myself. But you know, you can't make a costume when you're sort of eight, can you? Really? Like it take it take you weeks and weeks. Otherwise, it's just going to be rubbish anyway. Um, this is the content that people are here for, Ben. Uh, yeah. Uh, I continue <laughs> with the bio. Sorry, carry um, on. More lies. He went on to study animation. I know this is true. He to study animation at the Surrey Institute of Art and Design before working as an animator. Ben has illustrated a number of children's books, loads of children's books, including Rudy's Windy Christmas from HarperCollins, um, Callum's Incredible Construction Kit uh, from Egmont. Um, who wrote Rudy's Windy Christmas? That is Helen. Uh, it's wow. it's spelt yeah B A U G H, but I think it's Bob. Oh, is, I would have said bow, but it's not boog and it's not buff, is it? I think I, think I made the, the same mistake. I, I think she said it was boff from, from okay, my cool. from middle. And um, who wrote Tom's Magnificent Machines? That was um, Linda Sarah, isn't it? That's, yeah, yeah, that's the one. There we go, Linda Sarah with Egmont. Uh, which won the Bishop Stortford Picture Book Award, which is a really good one to win. Um, he is also the creator of the award-winning The Best Birthday Present Ever and The Best Christmas Present Ever, published by Macmillan Children's Books. He has illustrated several Waterstones Books of the Month, haven't you? Loads of... Um, Young fiction titles um, have yeah. got your cover. So, can we name a couple of those? Was the Land of Raw one of those? Land of Raw was was definitely one book one, and the Wild Way Home was was one. Yes, and I think there might be some others, but I, I genuinely can't remember. And there's a couple more. Um, one of my favourite books that you did the cover for, and I don't think it was a Waterstones book of the month, but I Cosmo from Nosy Crow is brilliant. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done a few and. I think I've got another one coming with her later on in the year, um, which I think um, will be book four. Her being, I forgot her name. It is Carly Carly Sosorak. That's and she's American, isn't she? I think. Yes. Yeah. 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 She's. I love iCosmo, and I bought the cat. Is this cat follow-up? Isn't that? There's a cat one. Yeah. Yeah. Cats the second, and then there's the mouse one, Clementine as well. Clementine. I read those, but I've got to because I loved iCosmo. I remember I read it in Greece, and I just read it in like a couple of hours. It's one of those. It's one of those. Did you Did you bore your eyes out? I did. Um, but, um, but the dog doesn't die in the end. No, spoilers. It's yeah, it's well, fine. I remember, um, was the I think the editor was Tom Bonnick from Nosy Crow, who's now at HarperCollins. Never thought he'd leave Nosy Crow, but he has. He's now at HarperCollins. Um, and I remember him saying, I think it was him on Twitter, a lot of people are asking if I should read I Cosmo because it kind of looks like the dog's going to die because it has a Marley and me feeling. <laughs> yeah, doesn't it, doesn't it just? Uh, yeah. But no, the dog doesn't cark it at the end. It's The, the cover kind of needs a sticker on, doesn't it? That just says, dog does not die. Yeah, just no, to... dead. no dead dogs here. Um, ben once ate three Sunday roasts in one day and he had to take a week off. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not a story I'm proud of, although it, it's in my it is in my bio. But um, yeah, I mean the opportunity arose to eat three okay. Sunday roasts, yep. and then it, and, it, and it, it blocked my intestine and, and my stomach swelled up. I looked like a sort of six month pregnant lady. I don't mean she's six months old, but six months pregnant. And uh, yeah. I had to take a week off work, and, and the boss at, my, uh, at the time was surprisingly uh, generous about it as well. He was uh, he was actually pretty decent, considering it's not a great excuse for taking 
an entire week off work. No, Let- like Geraldine from Vicar of Dibley when she has three or four Christmas dinners. Did you have to go to A&E? No. Do you know? <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I don't want to get into the details too much. No, but we're going to talk about children's books in a minute, but this is... Probably every, every, everything was blocked up. So I went to and he, he felt my stomach and I thought, well, they can probably do something. There's, you know, sort of modern medicine can probably fix this somehow. And what he uh, prescribed me was uh, peppermint tea. So, um, oh, yeah. yeah, so so I just had to ride it out. And uh, yeah, it was honestly, it was painful. I don't want to say that I know what it's like to be pregnant, but um, but I think that that's almost as close as you can get. There must have been an almighty relief of a day uh, at some point, though. It must have felt amazing. <laughs> this podcast has started on, is this, is this a, an all-time low for your... <laughs> lies, lies and poo. Lies and poo. Lies and poo. <laughs> Should have just put that in your bio. It's just lies and poo, don't it? Um, uh, to finish off your bag, he now lives, um, now he's unblocked, with his girlfriend and two boys in Leamington Spa. That sounds really weird. They are your two little boys. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're my children. So, thank you. That is the bio over, Ben. Now it's your turn, Ben, because you have to tell me where you work, what your studio situation is. Basically, I need your... desk ription. Nice. Uh, so I'm down in my garden, which is where I am currently in right. a, in, in, a, in a little garden in in Leamington Spa. Moved back to the motherland, um, and I'm in a I'm in about as big a room as you can build legally without planning permission for anyone wanting to build a garden studio, which is just under fifteen square meters. Oh, uh, no. I, I, <laughs> and I share it with my girlfriend, uh, which is Alice McKinley. Who also makes picture books? Yeah, um, uh, and it's just the two of us in here. She's not here at the moment. Um, with a little sofa bed, we sometimes let people sleep in here, um, just so they can just so they can avoid the, the children. I think that's people we know, I should say. Um, and we've got a mainly Alice's collection of books uh, in here, and, right. um, and I'm just looking out to a nice sunny garden at the moment. So it's a it's a pretty nice spot to be in. Um, yeah, it sounds, and it, I know it looks a little bit. Although Jarvis has got like a mega version, but um, it's a bit like Jarvis's setup, isn't it? At the bottom of the garden, it's in a lovely area. You're surrounded by lovely things, and that's where you love working. Now, do you? Um, I I know this obviously, but I'm asking for the listener because um, we never shared a studio. Although years ago, when we were both animating, we used to work for a company called Pesky, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, that was a long, long time ago, wasn't it, as well? I know, because we've known each other for, like, can't be 20 years, can it? I think I had hair at that point. You did have hair. That's how long ago it was. Just one sticking out between your eyebrows. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I I was proud of it. Is a good one. You styled it beautifully. Um, I mean, yeah, we should should let the listeners know that you now sit in my old desk. I do. So, So we never actually shared a studio, but we did, we shared a building. Which is, I think that's yeah. that's pretty good. That's all you need with me, is yeah, just is just to share a building. That's as yeah. close as you need to get. Well, it's a shame because I was in a studio at the opposite end of said building in Brighton, just off London Road in Brighton, which is nice and central. Um, and I was sharing with Chris Chatterton, and then he left to go to Barcelona uh, to get engaged, 
And then you left with Alice to go to Leamington Spa um, with the kids. So I leapt in your grave as quick as possible and moved to your beautiful desk space in Studio Six. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm the new Ben in our studio. Um, <laughs> and, um, and tell me, do they, do they prefer you or? Um... I think, well, I think we're kind of similar-ish in a lot of ways. I think we're both quite chatty, but know when to shut up and put our headphones on. I was going to say handsome, handsome and charming, but um, oh, yeah. Yeah. but maybe maybe that's a better description. Maybe uh, I think I don't know what were you like at making tea and coffee. No, I was pretty bad actually. Uh, see now, apparently I make the best cup of tea in the studio, Ben. Oh, oh I think apparently I make a pretty rubbish cup of tea. <laughs> so. You've got to let it steep for long enough. You've got to let it um, brew for long enough. That's the key. The problem is that a cup of tea tastes so much better when someone else makes it, doesn't it? That's Always. the thing. So Always. I let other people make it. That's not good, is it? That's not. That's good. That's bad studio-made etiquette. That's why Amazing. I'm in a garden on my own. What about what were you like at doing the dishes? I think I was all right. I think I, I feel like with that kind of question, you've got to ask the studio mates, haven't you? I was, I was pretty clean. Yeah, I don't ever complain. Um, big question for me: Do you leave the sponge in the sink or on the side? Oh, on the side. Do, uh, wait, do you leave it in the in the sink? No, I always leave it on the side. But someone, I, <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like you've said someone, but I think you know exactly who it is. No, you just no. don't want to name them. I think there's a, um, a quite a few offenders actually that leave. I, I just don't understand. Now, call me judgy judge face, but people that leave a sponge in the sink. I, no, no, I'm, I'm with the, you. What's the logic? I would find out who that is and don't make them any more teas. I might throw the sponge at them. Find put the sponge. Put the sponge in the bottom of the tea, yeah. and they'll be like, oh, "Thank you, Steve. And this is such a lovely cup." And they'll they'll slowly get down and reveal reveal the said sponge. I might just make the cup of tea into the sponge, give them a cup, and then squeeze out their <laughs> cup of tea. I like it. That cup and say, "How do you like it? <laughs> How do you like it?" <laughs> um, anyway, digressing again, but it is Studio Mate and Steve, and we are talking about you know day to day studio stuff. Do you miss working in a communal situation? Yes, I do. Do you know what? I, I love having my own space, it's great, and it's so nice to be able to just walk down the bottom of the garden. But do you know what? I miss it's the Friday, it's the Friday night beer, the kind of like you get to the end. Of, I mean, and there's other stuff, but you know, like. Yeah. Uh, it just you get to the end of a quite you know a busy week, then you go to the pub, yeah, and you have yeah. a lovely pint, and nothing nothing tastes better than a than a than a Friday night beer. And sometimes um, in our studio, we might make a origami vagina before we go to the pub. Right? <laughs> that that is true. We should explain. Sorry, I, I, sorry for saying that word out of the blue, <laughs> um, <laughs> because we have got an amazing origami expert called Coco Sato in our studio and there's nothing she can't make out of a square of paper and she's done um all kinds of workshops with us in, including uh, 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 uh. <laughs> you can't think of anything else but but vaginas can you that's it no no well, which is kind of linked to books because i've not done a um uh, flap book have you <laughs> <laughs> that was the smoothest segue i've, I've ever ever heard I remember talking to um camilla reed hello camilla if you're listening um she was at nosy crow now doing her own books with Macmillan, and she specializes in the best of the best um board books and she says the amount of um 
meetings that they have saying holes and flaps all the way through trying not to giggle is just phenomenal so oh um, yeah uh, french flaps isn't it that's the one that that always gets me is i um there's one that said there's, honestly there's a book that says um, big flaps for little fingers <laughs> <laughs> i had a i worked on a christmas book with walker recently where we had pretty in-depth discussions on the colour and the size of Santa's sack. And that was was a particularly tricky Zoom meeting. I, I, I can't lie. Oh, dear. It is funny. Um, you've got to have a laugh at these things. You've got to have a laugh at these things. The, the conversations that you have illustrating children's books can sometimes, yeah. like the, the minutiae of things that you discuss, that in any other world would just be insane. Which bad? I like Santa's sack. I think moving from Santa Sack to um, uh, your dick duck, the dick, <laughs> duck, the dick duck, delightful duck by K. Umansky, which you have masterfully illustrated. Now, um, people know that I've been going on about this book for ages, especially on Instagram and Twitter, um, and I've had lovely messages from K. Umansky as well. And I think her daughter, who runs, helps run her, her Twitter and everything, and um, just saying thank you for <laughs> increasing the sales of Dick the Duck, so I won't shut up about it, because it's <laughs> so funny and it's so beautiful. Um, and it's got a very daring black cover as well with just Dick on the front. Yeah, I was, I, I, you know, I pushed for the for the black cover just because yeah. I like that. I like it when I sort of a cover like sort of fights against the title. So you've got obviously, you know, he's, he's a delightful duck. And then you, I really like when you can kind of sort of mess with that kind of contrast of like yeah. the story says happy, the colour says grumpy. Yeah. So um, The know. dirt says hot, the label says not, but Ariel got it clean. It's that kind <laughs> of thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, so hold on. Before we talk about Dick again, um, Let's start, let's go back, reverse, reverse. So you started life as an animator after you left the Surrey Institute and you studied, was that a good course? I don't know if it's still going now, is it? Probably is. Yeah, well, it's it's no longer called the Surrey Institute. Institute. No. It, you know, I'm actually not too sure what it's called. Like the, the Kent something, the University of Kent. I That makes no sense because it's not in Kent, but um, I genuinely have no idea. Um it was a decent course. There was a lot of us, and there's 90 yeah. people on the course. Wow. Um, and I think it was one of those courses that had been good. And yeah. Yeah. sort of it was sort of slightly living off like a really good reputation it had previous. Yeah. So I think one of the teachers was Richard Oh, who did the Survival? Richard Madeley, that's that's the guy. Oh. Um, who did the animator survival? guide richard, oh, richard williams williams i think uh, he taught there for a little bit if i haven't entirely made that up no um, with us um, bless his soul. yeah yeah exactly um yeah and i actually met him in denmark on a on an animation course he seemed like a like i went to a yeah, course um uh, he did like a master class two-day thing in london at bafta and i went along um, but we all had to, um, his wife came out first and said, under no circumstances did anyone in the Q&A to ask him any questions whatsoever about the cobbler and the thief. And it's like, oh, all right, um, fine. Oh, really? Because he, de- he definitely talked about that, at, um, the thing I went to. So I, I, me and a few friends flew to Denmark to go and do, I think it was like a, a four-day animation course with him and his his, his family were out there and stuff. And um I'm pretty sure he, he was discussing that. I think but, uh, there was something going on with this at the time, because he, for those who don't know, he obviously he's he's mega famous for Who Framed Roger Rabbit, really, isn't he? That was his main um, thing, I think. Um, but then he also um, had his own film called The Thief and the Cobbler, which was never finished properly. And then 
a studio finished it, but it, they sort of ruined it. And then I, I don't know what time it was, but maybe he was, um, his hands were tied about talking about it, I think. Anyway, it, brilliant animator. So from Surrey, you then got into animation. What was your first job? Can you remember? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, definitely wasn't in animation. Uh, <laughs> I, I left uni, moved straight to London because I thought that's what you need to do. That's the thing you do. Yes. And I worked in I worked in H and M ladies wear. Oh. Uh, as a as a supervisor for about a year. Right. Uh, yeah, that's really where I you know sort of honed my craft. Uh, and then I and then I got an internship on Corpse Bride, so Tim Burton's Corpse oh, Bride wow. over in over in Bromley by Bow. Yeah. Uh, and I did I did a, a month for free. Um, in the art department, because I think Warner Brothers, they need the free, they need the free help. Yeah. Uh, they, so I did that for a month. And then and then I went back to H&M because I think the, sort of part of it was you could do this sort of internship. And then if there was a job available at the end, they'd give you a job. So I had friends who'd, who'd done it earlier than me, who then went and worked in the sort of puppet department or the sort of um, special effects department. And they sort of got, they sort of did the internship and then actually ended up with, with jobs from it right. uh, at the time i was really late doing internship so by that time there was there was no jobs available so i went back to h&m for a few weeks and they called me up and they were like do you want to come and work in the in the production side so i was kind of reception production side of corpse bride for yeah. for, a, for for a while which was which was interesting yeah, it's, you uh, learned a lot yeah, I mean it's a it's an interesting world to be in. Like it's sort of like it's a there's a proper hierarchy on in that kind of world. Yeah. That's for sure. It was, it was pretty. It was it was long days and hard work, um, but but it was it was great. You used to be able to sort of um, you could book out the puppets and go and take them to a little animation sort of station with a camera. You actually, so you could animate with the with the actual puppets they were using. So you know you had these big, you know sort of. Um, uh like you know sort of metal rigged puppets so you know it's the same company that made i think it was wallace and gromit puppets so yeah. uh, mckinnon saunders that, that made the puppets and you could you could sort of basically loan them out for a few hours animate and then and then you know sort of give them back so that was that was a great sort of opportunity yeah. um, to do that and then i think right at the end i did a bit of um sort of rehearsal shots with the puppets and sort of lighting shots so it's kind of sort of the the sort of electricians working out the, the sparks working out what how they were going to light shots and then you know sort of the sort of art direction kind of sort of you know working all those kind of things out yeah. so i a sort of preliminary sort of kind of shot with the puppets sort of like a really kind of quick version so they could just work out framing and all that kind of stuff so that yeah. was quite a nice little end to to course bride so it, it sort of Ended on a on a on a slightly more creative note than um than taking phone calls from from important people for Warner Brothers with um uh, yes with, with scary scary voices and then so how did you move and then you did because like when I knew you you were doing some two D animation yeah so from there a friend of mine was working for a studio down in Brighton which was an animation studio making stuff for they were doing sort of mobile and web stuff you know it was that kind of time of like flash. crazy frog and, and and flash and sort of i think people thinking oh we can monetize mobile phone animation and sort of this kind of thing so it was a studio doing sort of started off doing that yeah um, and actually that was with uh yaz uh ismail as well who now obviously does no. um does, does books as well so we worked together for 
yeah. for a little bit down in down in that Brighton studio. Um, and so it was, yeah, it was. I mean, it was a good experience again. But that was all sort of flash two D and then a bit of After Effects. And I think that's what I was doing when I met you. Actually, I think it was a bit of After Effects work on. Yeah. What, what did we work on together? Was it a Tom Lecce? The milk <laughs> website, wasn't it? The milk yeah. website. It was a very involved, sort of beautifully designed. Oh, he's sort of a famous character designer. Yeah, it's the, it's the, the oh yeah, because the, the, the three, the the twat. Oh, what's it called? Ronde, Ronde Bell. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah. Um, Sylvian Chomet, wasn't it? Because it? the French. That, yes, yes, we yeah. were working with his designs and trying to animate them on a website, which ended up being. The most complicated and clunky website I think I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it was—I mean, it, it looked great. It did look great, and it worked. <laughs> yes, it was a bit complicated for what it was for a yeah a milk a milk, milk to to um, South America or yes, yeah, so we worked on that. But I remember, but you were kind of delving into into illustration at that time as well, weren't you? Yeah. So me and a, a few friends at the animation studio had kind of set up our sort of kind of collective illustration collective um called called sausage fingers because um because why not and um, we were sort of making yeah yeah exactly um we were making sort of uh artwork to exhibit basically um sort of in a kind of it sort of had that kind of flash animated sort of kind of style so it's very much sort of very different from what i do now like much more kind of stripped back Sort of using Adobe Illustrator, which oh, is not a is not a bit of what I enjoy. But um, I don't know anyone yeah. who loves using Illustrator. Uh, maybe uh, I don't know. Maybe just really sad people. Can I say that? Uh, There's going to be someone now who 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 works primarily in. <laughs> and I, if, Kate in our studio, who you know as well, she uses Illustrator quite a lot, but she's just she's you know she swears quite a lot at it. Oh, yeah, and I, I think I think that's part of the process of using Illustrator, isn't it? Is is doing a lot of work. Well, it's just then I find, something accidentally. Yeah, I find that you're trying to make something look like a swooshy line or make something really smooth, but it takes about half an hour because you're just moving those little arcs all the time, and it's just yeah. mind numbing. And I think in, in in defence of Adobe, I think it's probably got slightly better than when I was using it in okay. in two thousand and. Or whenever it was, oh, yeah. but uh, undoubtedly, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yes. Um, gosh, so yeah, yeah. and then what happened? Because so, so basically, yeah, we, we sort of set that up and we were exhibiting, and I'd done sort of like about eight kind of illustrations that were sort of they were kind of narrative, they were sort of telling a story. Um, and I was sort of, I think I got to the point, like a lot of animators did, where you're sort of you know, you're a small cog in a in a you know, it's a big thing you might do bits and pieces but actually what i realized that the bits i liked doing in animation really were the the design bits you know it was the sort of yeah. character design the background design all the stuff that kind of actually really lends itself to children's book right the kind of pre-production stuff of storyboard which essentially you know is like a sort of a rough you know sort of yeah exactly so so i got to that point where i was like well let's have a look at illustration and i'll be honest i had no sort of grand designs on children's book illustration at all because I don't really remember it being the thing it it was. I mean, I guess it, you know, sort of, I'm trying to think what, what attracted me to it, but it was almost a case of I sent stuff off and then 
the Bright Agency replied, and they just, you know, that's what they did was, was children's books. Do you remember um, um, when we were working together, Lee Hodgkinson also was working on some bits and pieces at Pesky, and I remember she was working on um, a couple of her first picture books, and I remember being really inspired that she was an animator who was also working on picture books, and she sort of was my main inspiration, thinking, oh, I could maybe give it a go. Yeah, do you know what? Because I, I think we worked together briefly on on that job. Yeah, but I don't think I saw much of her stuff. I, do you know what? It's it's funny because I think people listening to to these kind of things always sort of like are sort of trying to figure out how to do it themselves. But I I really just sort of fell into it. Yeah. Uh, and like I, yeah, there was no sort of grand design at all. I just my, my work I think lent itself to to doing children's stuff. Yeah. Yes. Um, but, I, but I, you know, a, a part of me, I think, at that point would have done editorial or, or sort of anything and slightly kind of leaned my style towards whatever it would have been. It just just happened yeah. to be just happened to be children's books in the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it's sort of funny. I just sort of ended up doing it. And then I think I was with the Bright Agency for, I think, maybe like a month. And my first project came in. So Harper Collins, which was a um, Five Little Pumpkins Halloween book, yes, uh, and and then I think I've, I've barely stopped since then. So that was I think two thousand and eight, maybe I think, yeah. uh, and then it's just been it's just been pretty much nonstop since that that first book. Well, you're uh, so busy. You're one of the busiest. I mean, everyone sort of I speak to is really busy at the moment, but you're particularly busy. And I, I remember when I was in the other studio at the bottom of the corridor, you would often be in every weekend. This was before you had kids, obviously, and you'd be in every weekend and you would just be working on stuff. You'd be working on a couple of fictions and a couple of picture books and juggling lots of um, projects. So it's a good job. So you obviously you highly recommend having an agent, don't you? Yeah, I, I, I mean, <laughs> especially when you're going to be that busy. Yeah, there just there isn't really time to do a lot of the other stuff. Um, yeah. So it, it, it's that funny thing where I mean, I have no other sort of context for it because I've had an agent from the start. Yes. Uh, so I don't know what it's like to be unagented, but but it, but what I do like is I get to pick up a contract and go. I don't understand this, but hopefully someone does um, who's looking at it. And that's quite nice. And then it's the sort of, you know, the all the kind of scheduling conversations and all that kind of stuff. Like it's just I it, it's funny you get into this business because you like drawing and then there's a whole load of other stuff that kind of creeps in, mm. um, you know, so I, it's quite nice to avoid the business side of things as much as possible. I think um, it was interesting talking to Jarvis because he is now unagented, but mainly because he works with one publisher, he works with Walker mainly. So I do think that if you're working with one team and one editor and, and, and you know, a couple of designs or whatever, that maybe you could, you know, do without an agent. Um, so it, were, it was definitely working for Jarvis. Uh, yeah, I think... I guess once you've got a single publisher, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? You've got a good relationship with them. You trust each other. You know, if you're doing lots of books, then they, you know, they're going to be nice to you and want to keep you and, and, and sort of vice versa. But, but I guess the thing for me is I kind of, like you say, I do work for sort of multiple publishers, UK, in, you know, the US. I do, I generally do like a, a US book a year, probably. Um, and then fiction wise, it sort of depends on if they're covers, but I could do, you know, I might do like sort of 
somewhere between five or ten fiction books a year. Um, it might just be cover, or it might be you know cover and and forty like you know black and white interiors. Um, so it just makes sense because I, I split my day up. So so generally my my daytime is picture books and my nighttime is is fiction, um, which worked a lot better before I had a two year old and a one year old. Yeah, but um, but that's kind of the, the way I, I split it up, and I, I kind of like the I like the mix. Yeah. I think I got to a point where I, I, I love children's books, but it's really nice to sort of pick up something slightly older, sometimes a bit darker in tone, and but also it just gives you a it's just nice to do something a little bit different, and a cover's great because it's just that sort of single image where you're sort of you're sort of catching like an essence of a book. It's not like it's not as prescriptive as like you know, it, it, this character is doing this and you've got to get from yeah. A to B. You're kind of, I always think of it like a sort of a film poster, like you're kind of selling a story. Um, well, especially your um, Land of Ra- the Raw series, because they have extra bits that open out. So you had a lot of work involved with doing those, didn't you? Yeah, they were they were a front cover, a back cover, and then an illustrated ICP. So is that right? Inside cover something i don't um, know i've never i've done this but i don't know what they call there is still yeah. funny sort of after doing it for 10 11 years there are still some um some uh, phrases and some terminology that i still don't quite understand i i always get slightly confused by uh, when when people use recto and verso as well do you get recto and verso well hopefully not if i do i'll go straight to the doctors <laughs> for, for right and left um oh, and no. the first time i had that i genuinely was like i've I don't know what you're talking about. Excuse like, me. You're what? what? <laughs> <laughs> Let's not. I'm just about to lower the tone by this even more, uh, and, I, and I won't. Okay. Um, no, I'll leave yeah. that recto comment for a for, a, for another time. Yes, yeah, so don't be taken um, up air suddenly. Yeah, yeah, out. exactly. So, um, yeah, but it's yeah. So, so, but Land of Raw was was a was a front cover, back cover, and then it folded out. So, yeah. Yeah. it had sort of like they were then illustrated flaps. That's just for you, Stephen. But then it had the entire reverse of that illustrated as well, yeah. Um, yeah. which is kind of hard to imagine. Um, so it was a, it was almost like doing probably three covers on one book, almost yeah. sort of like work-wise. It's incredible, um, though. I love you. I think they're my favourite covers, especially the first one. I love the Land of War because also, haven't you done? Is it six or eight dragon covers with Nosy Crow as well? Yes, the the, the Dragon Storm series. I think yeah. it's eight. eight. Yeah. Gosh, well, gosh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I do like a dragon, um, but I mean, the beauty, the, the beauty of those ones is I don't have to design the dragon quite as much because they're they're illustrated in the states, and then I just do the UK cover. So I kind of have something. I don't get many of the interiors, but I kind of I get to see the US cover, and then I kind of do a sort of my interpretation of it. So that's quite nice, actually, because it's sort of. Someone's kind of done a bit of the, I say a bit, a lot of the design work, and then I kind of get to sort of take what I want and then yeah. sort of do my own thing a little bit, but sort of, you know, sort of kind of keep it connected to the interior. So that's yeah. that's quite a nice one and a sort of tricky balance of, like, do your own thing but keep something so that someone doesn't open the book and they're like, oh, this looks nothing like the, the cover. 
Yeah. And because um, you've written a few yourself, but you also work with a lot of tip top authors like Philip Ardar and Timothy Niepman and Lucy Rowland um, and um, Catherine Emmett, who did um, King of the Swamp. So, um, yes, obviously, you're collaborating. Yeah, me, me and Lucy have done three sort of fairy tale, kind of twisted fairy tale books. And then we did a yeah. Halloween one, which was Dracula Spectacular. Yeah, I love um, that. I think that's my favourite book that you've done so far, Dracula Spectacular. You know what? It's, it's, it's one of my favourite, and it's mm. uh, it's sadly no longer in print. It's, it's, what? Yeah, yeah, it's it's the it's the one what? that got it got it got it got um it just didn't sell enough, so it just um Can I think it? they no, it's it's probably one of my favourite books actually, but it just I I think Halloween's tricky, right? I mean, it's your books are there for a small amount of time, and they and then they disappear off the shelf because they make way for Christmas. So I think it's one of those ones where well, I'm sure they have, to, they have to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought it'd do well as well because it had such a lovely message but it's but you, do you know what the, the one thing i've really learned is my gauge for what's going to do well and what's going to do bad is um you just don't know do you yeah yeah yeah. there's a there's a lot of luck timing you know sort of serendipity involved isn't there i think in in this business um definitely yeah so so but but, but you know I, I love all those books um and then hopefully we'll do something in the future at some point because we've you know, we sort of meet and we do sort of odd, odd, you know, sort of events at yeah. school, that kind of stuff, because yeah. they're um, they're great books for schools because they're that kind of sort of twisted fairy tale book. Um, they're well, sort I of love, um, Dracula Spectacular as well because it's got like an LGBTQ plus um, slant as well, which I think is brilliant. Yeah, yeah, me too. I, I thought I thought that was a, a great book. I remember reading that for the first time, and it's funny when you sort of you get that text, you know, that sort of word document. And you read a book, and you can you instantly know if it's if it's good. And yeah, yeah I think that was a, a great one. Um, um, now, Ben, um, with I mean, we're chinwagging away like this. We've only got twenty minutes left, and I've got to ask you because I'm I is well gel in it, brav, Kaz. Um, you're doing, you've done a little golden book. Yes, yeah, I am, and, and I think it's out actually. <gasps> Pretty soon. I'm really bad with knowing when my books are coming out. How did that, how did that come about? Because obviously that's a, a, a US-based project. Yeah, so it is. Do you know, um, I think it's is it Random House that now own it. That's the kind of thing. That's the kind sure. of thing I should know. But, um, you should know. Yes, I do. Yeah, I should. Um, but, and so I've done quite a few American books over the years. So probably my probably one of my biggest selling books um is uh is the, the the dragon one uh you know when a title just disappears out of your head uh, um hang on a second let me just you got let it. Me move it to my shelf no, i can't even do you know why it's bad i can't even find a copy you've got a whole bin it. full of dragon books because you've done so many it is the dragon who who swallowed a knight um, um, there wasn't. There was an old dragon swallowed. Right? That's the one. Thank you. By by Penny Klosterman. I haven't even found the book. It's somewhere in. It's somewhere on the shelves. But our our studio is a, an absolute tip. It's like uh, the one with um, the dragon sort of got um, the sword like a toothpick. Yeah, yeah. So it's obviously um, yeah. It's sort of a, a redo of 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 the classic. Um, yeah, exactly. But but not eating animals. It's it's a dragon that terrorizes sort of like a a little village, and that that was a. A, a, a sort of a, I think a pretty good seller in the states and even actually made into pajamas with gap weirdly oh, which wow. is one of those yeah yeah it's one of those quite sort of like 
strange things uh, where you could buy you could buy the book and buy the pajamas together. Um, I mean, I've never seen the pajamas, and I, I imagine they, they, I don't know why that, that idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In fact, that might be why Gap is uh, yeah. is not doing as well, but uh, <laughs> online. <laughs> um and so i think they i think they they got me to do saddle the sun because but i think my style is kind of i i, I do i think it sort of kind of works for the american market in a in a yeah. way um yeah. just and i i sort of kind of lean a lot of my books towards the american market just because i think maybe that sort of is sort of part of my inspiration i think like if i mm. when i'm thinking visually um you know for tom's magnificent machines that was very much like as soon as I got the text for it, I was like, well, it feels like it's set in America on a, yeah. on, a on a sort of, you know, sort of, like, you know, sort of cabin by a lake. And that's kind of just sort of, mm. uh, yeah, that seems to be my go-to kind of okay sort of setting. So, um, yeah. But so that, what's, your, what's your little golden book called? It's called Saddle the Sun. Saddle the Sun. And what was the process of working with the team there because I they, they create quite a lot of those books don't they so was it quick turnaround or did you have a long time was so it a lot of back and forth or how easy was it it was do you know what it, it got I think it got slightly delayed and I think I think it was sort of one of those ones that, was, that came before Covid and yeah. then and then carried on after Covid um so I think actually I, I was on it for quite a long time but it sort of got pushed back and pushed back um and yeah, so it was one of those ones that just went on sort of like for it's actually probably like a a year and a half to two years, I think, from getting the original Word document to sort of finishing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right because they do a lot of sort of Marvel and Disney kind of sort of yes. style books, don't they? Along with yeah, the they sort do of everything now, don't they? That sort of yeah, film and TV and cartoons because um, it sort of started they, like Mary Blair and a lot of the original sort of Disney concept artists. They yeah. did the original one. Exactly, and I think if you come from the animation world, you you know of that, those series of books. So as soon as that as soon as that came through, I was like, yes, this is you know I'm I'm doing this book. Yeah, uh, just just because it's one of those things you get to sort of pick off, don't you? It is a, it's a proper kind of um, yeah uh, sort of bucket list for I think an animator uh, sort of illustrator. Definitely, I'd love to do one one day. Um, is if you putting a call out to um yeah. to them. This is the only reason why I've invited you on, just so we can talk about <laughs> little golden books. So I can hopefully get one off the ground somewhere with something. Oh, I, if I would really like to do uh, Wicked, the musical, the movie book as well, please, publisher. <laughs> Done. <I feel. laughs> a little golden book of Wicked, the musical, the movie is my, oh, my dream, dream. Do you know what? That's a, that's a good call. Well, come on. I, well, I, come on. I think you do a great job, Stephen. I, I think I do a great job, wouldn't I? Do a great job. <laughs> also, maybe Ted Lasso. I'd love to. Um, everyone, everyone, people just won't shut up about Hannah Wadding at the moment, who I'm a huge fan of. Um, and the, yeah, the Eurovision, um, yeah. the Eurovision notes. It was pretty impressive, wasn't it? It was amazing. Yes, yeah, she was very good. Um, so yes, any uh, Ted Lasso, little golden book would be quite cool. Um, anything like that. So yes, uh, keep. keep I, love, that, uh, I, love you, <laughs> I love that you've got that in. I like it. Thank you, thank you. That's the only reason. Anyway, it's been lovely, Ben. Bye. This is going to be edited down. <laughs> yes, it's only a five-minute episode of just that. <laughs> now I've got a couple of well, there's three questions. Uh, what uh, two of the questions are from one person? Um, the first question is from Sarah, and now I'm not sure whether to say Lovell or Lavelle. So I'm sorry, Sarah. 
Um, I'm going to say Sarah Lovell, I think. Um, says, hi, Steve. Hope you're well. I have a question for Ben Mantle, which is unfortunate. Do you prefer <laughs> working on picture books or older fiction? And do you use the same approach for both? Now, you've kind of answered that because you do picture books in the daytime, fiction in the evening. But, um, yeah, which do you prefer and what's your approach? I, do you know what? I, in terms of preference, the, the reason why I work day and night on these things is because I kind of just like doing both. Like it's sort of, it, they're, they're a really nice kind of sort of balance of like doing sort of in the daytime, you know, sort of uh, bunnies causing chaos with, with Philip. With Philip. Ardar. Although it's yeah. not Ardar, is it? It's um, Ardar. Ardar. I always say Ardar. It's, it's Pahilip Pahilip Ardar. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so it's bunnies in the day and then sort of something like a kind of, um, you know, sort of I'm working on a detective series at the moment, the after school detective club. Uh, and so it's yeah. a, a great to sort of get to sort of design, you know, sort of dramatically different scenarios. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I genuinely couldn't pick between the two. Okay. Uh, so that's, yeah, hence the, the slightly long working days. Um, and then and then the process, I guess it is a it's a little bit different, but only because. I can, my process is kind of different on almost every book I do in a, in a sort of a way. Mm. Like I kind of feel like style is sort of a overused word, but it kind of, I think it's like the sort of the answers you come up to the questions you ask, right? So sort of yeah. depends on depends on the project you're working on, you know, that you you'd sort of ask yourself different questions, right? Sort of what does this project need you know what's the look and feel of the project what's yeah. the atmosphere so so the yeah the process is a little bit different definitely they, they actually my fiction ones tend to be more digital just because i don't know actually just because i feel like it feels a little bit older in a way sort of sort of kind of fits that the yeah. brief a bit better and i and my picture books tend to be sort of a a mix of digital or sort of watercolour pastel pencil. Yeah, because you do a lot of, you make a lot of textures, don't you? Scan them in and then use them within Photoshop to sort of help with colouring and the shading and the textures. Yeah, I, I, almost, I think almost every book I've done has some sort of handmade texture, just because it's it's nice to not look at a screen for a while, isn't it? I quite like the, I like the mistakes of working sort of on paper, mm. you know, like digital is, you can clean up and keep on cleaning up forever, whereas you, you make a mark and then, yes, you could clean it up in post, but actually it's it's weirdly freeing to kind of yeah. do some paint or pastel and then use it as it is and not kind of just keep its kind of raw texture um, yeah, I've been um, doing my favourite bit of a picture book at the moment where you're just doing character designs and scribbles and little ideas and thumbnails and, and just jotting down notes and everything in my sketchbook, like actual sketchbook. But I keep doing that thing where you pinch on the page because I'm so used to using my iPad because I've just finished a couple of fictions, which I always use my iPad for. Um, so, yes, terrible. So you can't um, undo in your sketchbook, obviously. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, I'm... I'm one of those people who's alarmed when I see a sketchbook that looks beautiful. Yes. I just think like that, the sketchbook is where you make your mistakes. It's where you kind of, you do your working out, right? That, so my, my sketch, whenever anyone asks to look at my sketchbook, it comes with like a, mm. a caveat of this sketchbook 
there's nothing good in here. No, like, it's a practical sketchbook. Yeah, get get yeah. All, get the rubbish out in a sketchbook and then and then do a, a better job yeah. uh, on the book. Um, yeah. Oh god, when when you see when you see on Instagram people's sketchbooks that look amazing. I know. I just think, do you have a do you have another sketchbook where you do the rubbish stuff, and then a, and then that sketchbook where you do the good stuff. I know, but sometimes that's what gives me imposter syndrome and just makes me feel like I'm not worthy because there are some people who just do scribble and then it just creates such a beautiful little design. And they've got a sketchbook full in it and the, and the composition on each page looks all perfect. And it's like, hold on a minute, have you cobbled this together in Photoshop and then shown it? Because it's just good. But I just think some people have that eye and just that speed and just that way of doing things that just sort of seems to, I don't know, work it's sort of practical and looks beautiful i hate them <laughs> <laughs> i'm with you and I, I i you know i just don't believe that they've done it i think uh, <laughs> it's almost certainly ai i think they do oh no let's not talk about ai let's I'm not let's not go there oh, um, yeah. what was that festival let's not talk about it. yeah that festival that got in trouble because they used ai and then they didn't apologize for it anyway i'm sure it's all fine now that, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Is there a bit of you that's slightly alarmed by <laughs> by AI, or are you? I think so. But people that are defending it keep saying, "Yes, but this happens every time there's a new advance in technology." And you know, photographers were worried at the time when you know everyone had a mobile phone with a camera on. But there's more photographers now than ever. Someone was saying on um, on Laura Koonsberg this morning. I don't know. I mean, it's it's slightly concerning and worrying, isn't it? Because I mean, just everyone needs to watch their back because if robots and programs can just start doing what we do yeah but also I, I guess the the ethics of it as well right of the sort of ai learning essentially just taking taking everyone's work and then sort of essentially collaging it into something different um what was interesting again i think it was on Rookins, but i can't remember her name um uh, a foodie and she said well i'm kind of safe because i make food and so i don't think well not not for a, a, a long time i don't think robots will actually be in a kitchen physically touching things it's all sort of on screen and on page and on paper um, uh, we are yeah. we're a few years away from some kind of space sort of wrapped kind of food yeah although i mean have you been to my robots <laughs> It's a bit plasticky. Um, <laughs> do, do you know what? I, I heard something recently. Can we are we allowed to talk about this? Are you about to get sued by McDonald's? Oh, it's not about McDonald's milkshakes, is it? No, it's about their fruit, which is that it's apparently, I was told by a nutritionist that it's what? um that their fruit is sprayed with a thin layer of plastic to keep it fresher for longer. Allegedly, we should say Alleg that. Yeah, is, is that all it's you need to say? BBC, but just in case. Oh, I'm sure that's just a room, rumor and speculation. Sure, I'm. I'm sure it absolutely is. Uh, <laughs> move on before um before we both um, leave our home. Well, that was uh, so. You've answered Sarah's question. Thank you, Sarah. For that. Now we've got another one from. And now I think it's Inga Daniels. Inga, I have two questions. I'd love to know from both you and Ben what it was like starting out. Were you able to dedicate yourself completely to writing, illustrating picture books, or did you have to do it part time with a more steady income job on the side? And were agents and publishers supportive of that, or did deadlines and such make combining it all stressful? I would quickly say that's quite a long question. Yeah, I well, I I was juggling animation and Same. children's book illustration, so that kind of yeah that kind of worked um yeah but, but i so it sort of it was it was both freelance jobs so it kind of in a way i guess is better than when you've got a job that is 
set hours but yeah. you've got guys to meet because i could kind of say no to stuff or kind you know sort of there was a bit of flexibility there but i was definitely doing that for probably it wasn't that long actually i i, I stopped animating I, I probably did it for about six months and then sort of yeah sort of just eased into full-time children's books yeah i was the same weirdly because i nearly went to the surrey institute and then i nearly got a job um on frank and weenie which was also a tim burton animated um film but then i got a book deal and i was like oh i'm gonna go for the book deal and not work for tim burton which i would have loved to have done for a year but i didn't get the chance yeah well a lot of people i worked with then went on to do yeah frank and weenie i think that's the next thing they were doing yeah, because um, um, yeah, we had quite similar, because you did the kind of, was it the Waterstones? Like, um, was it a competition? I think, is yeah. that how you yeah. made it, wasn't it? Waterstones competition, and then, yeah, got, got a couple of deals, uh, Little Tiger and uh, Nursey Crow, and then got an agent and everything. But yeah, no, I, I'm the same as you. I carried on animating for a bit, and then I sort of dipped back. Instead of being an animator, I was a director of animation at um, Picasso Pictures in Soho in London. And so I would, if I had time, the producer would sort of say, oh, this job's come in, have you got time to do it in between the books? Sometimes I did, and sometimes... I didn't. And now I'm full, full-time picture books and fiction now, so I wouldn't be able to go back and do it. Unless it was yeah. Wicked the Musical, the movie. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that must be tricky, isn't it? It's that thing of like... But then, I mean, I work on several books at a time, so I'm always kind of juggling. And I think you're kind of the same, aren't you? It's sort of... If you're writing, I don't tend to write in the day. I tend to write in the evenings for, for books. I've only written... Uh, I think I'm, I'm just about to start writing my sixth, or I'm kind of brilliant. Oh, well, early someone, stage someone, of... um, that's an extra question, actually. I'll throw in someone asked if there's going to be, they said their class, I can't remember who it was and I couldn't find it. They said their class is desperate to know if you're doing a sequel to Frog V's Toad. I don't think so. I think, I, do you know, I think I saw that question on yes, Twitter. On it was asking it. if the second one was going to be about crocodiles and alligators. That's it. That's I think was what it was. Um, well, I, the book originally started, I think, with crocodiles and alligators, and then I kind of ended up moving over to frogs and toes just because they had slightly better like, comparisons. So to explain the book, yeah. it's sort of um, sort of an argument between a frog and a toad as, as sort of who's better. Yeah, uh, they both caught a fly between their tongues, uh, and they're sort of it starts an argument as to, to sort of who's better between yeah. a frog and a toad. Yeah. Um, and it kind of frogs kind of just made sense because. After sort of researching rabbits and hares and crocodiles and alligators and that kind of thing, it sort of made sense that it was frogs just because yeah. their differences were a bit more physical and, and humorous. So like kind of in size of eyes and shape and that kind of stuff. So that kind of made sense. Like going back to the kind of animation sort of character design, it lent itself, you know, sort of, because you kind of want contrast in character design. Yes. Uh, you know, between like a sort of a, a, a skinnier frog and a, you know, sort of wider um, sort of toad. Um, um, can you, so, are you allowed to tell us what your new book's about? I don't know what it's about. I'm at the kind no, of stage no. of, of pitching. So it's it's with Walker Books. Yes. So it's who I did um, Frog versus Toads with. Yes. And we're at the stage of kind of, I've got a few ideas. I've got about five ideas. Yeah. Um, one I really, and there's a few I really like, um, and there's probably one I'll I'll push, um, and and we'll see we'll see which one we'll see which one gets there. 
Because we've still uh, got, even though you're not in the studio anymore and I've taken over your desk, literally, we've still got a link because Zoe Tucker, the designer, is in the room as well, isn't she? So I saw I saw your dick. Yes, you've got an early, an early glimpse, didn't you? Uh, yes, and Frog and Toad. And also she is working with your girlfriend, Alice, as well. Yes, they're also, so 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 weirdly, um, I'd just done Frog versus Toad. Yeah. And then they'd, they'd offered me, so the same author, so it's Kay Umansky again, yeah. that Alice is working with, they'd offered me that book, which is about a f- two frogs. Yes, two frogs. And so I kind of was like, I don't think I can do another frog-based book. No. So we ended, up, we ended up essentially switching projects. So um, I got Dick and she got, she, she got frogs. You're uh, yes, Stephen. Sorry, Stephen. sorry. Do you, know what, do you know what I realized? I brought my dick all the way to Bologna. For you yes, to you did. And I forgot to ask you to sign it. <laughs> I was, I'm, I'm so sorry because you'd even message me saying, I know That's you brought it, and then and then uh, you just didn't get it out at all in Bologna. So, I um, I didn't. Well, I thought it's best not to get it out in the pub in the evening because I didn't want to get um, get any beer on it. <laughs> anyway. This- Right. This whole conversation has okay. just been, has just been leading up. I must just say hello to Erica Meza because she makes sure, as she said, make sure you talk about Dick the Duck a lot <laughs> in the podcast. And we have. Thank I, you. I won't mention it again. We, I think we've covered, we've covered my dick, haven't we? Absolutely. Um, Inga Daniels says, secondly, I'd love to know your thoughts on how to approach agents. Um, is it wisest to just email and follow all the online steps, or do you reckon a more physical, more physical approach would be better, like sending a parcel with work? Um, not surprising them in person or anything weird like that, though. Um, <laughs> I, I would that, go with a surprising. I would jump out of cake. I um, think that's a really good idea. Cake humanity. Things have changed, haven't they? Like I don't know. About, I mean, yeah. I've been with my agency for since since two thousand and eight, and I think it was easier then i mean i i mean i just sent off my stuff speculatively i think i sent them like mm. 10 images or whatever you were sort of you know sort of allowed to send at that point it was you know it was still still quite prehistoric internet so you could only send sort of um, uh, so much at that point and then i just got a call and then i went for an interview and did a sort of a portfolio thing i think the thing is probably not to send too much are you i mean you had an agent after me so i don't know if your sort of you know sort of if your experience was different to mine but mine i sent i sent my stuff off to a whole load of agents i sent my stuff off to arena agency and i had an interview with, with arena actually um which was a long long time ago uh and they i think we had a really lovely chat and then i think the problem was i was a bit too close to who some people they repped and i think right. they were they were a much smaller agency and i think they kind of like to sort of just keep a little bit of distance between their illustrators which i guess kind of makes sense in that kind of you know if you're having a small agency um i was just a bit too close with the style i was doing at the time i mean my work has changed quite a lot over the years um so they said oh no you know sorry like your work but um you know we, we can't have you and then and then bright were my next interview and they they said yes and i think you know the bright agency are pretty big these days but but when i joined i think there was probably only 50 illustrators he says only 50 but um you know yeah yeah but i but i think now it's you know sort of you know they've got the american arm and the uk arm and it's so it's probably hundreds and hundreds and hundreds so i 
it's a tricky one to answer just because I guess there's there's a whole load of different ways to do it, isn't there? I, I don't know if... There are. Cause, you know, um, yeah, my agent who I spoke to um, last time, she's only got six. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that, that's a different... But then she's, a literary, she's a literary agent as well, so she's got a lot more authors, obviously, but she just keeps her illustration list really small. But it, it just depends what the companies are aiming for and how many people, are, how many they've got on their staff and how many people, you know, they can handle in one go, I guess, isn't it? Because there's a lot of juggling for them to do. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing, isn't it? I, I guess, I guess, do all of it. You know, like send your stuff off. Yeah, follow them. Follow them home. Maybe <laughs> go through their bins. Go through their bins. Yeah, yeah, hide in a bush. Blackmail is a good one. I think. Now, now you're talking. That's uh, that's the way to a uh, that's the way to a really good working relationship. Go through their Twitter when they were younger and see if they've said anything defamatory about anyone, and see if you can um, blackmail them. I think that'd be great. Well, I mean, that's the thing as well. Is is Instagram didn't exist and Twitter didn't exist, so it kind of it's a whole different ball game, isn't it? Because I think Instagram is probably the way to to sort of get gonna, noticed to some degree. I was going to say that because everyone, um, art directors, even editors, and definitely agents, they definitely scan Instagram portfolios, and they will literally do. You know, if they're doing a dinosaur book, they'll go hashtag dinosaur illustration, and they will they will go through and, and find people. So I would definitely, definitely make sure that you're if, if you're looking to get an agent or a publisher involved in something, then make sure that your Instagram is up to scratch. And you've got yeah, to I've, I, I mean, I've I've had several fiction projects that have literally come from a a post on Instagram of uh, you usually like a personal project, and then yeah, yeah. like a week later there'll be an email saying we love that piece on Instagram we'd quite like something similar for a fiction book. And, yeah. and so it literally worked, you know, within, <laughs> within a week was almost like a sort of a, yeah. a book or on the table. So, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, that's got to be, you've got, I mean, it's, it's, it's tricky because Instagram isn't what it used to be. Here's a, you know, the, I'm into old man, mm. old man rant, but, um, but it's, I, I guess that must be the way, the way forward. Right. I think so because I yeah it took me a while to get um, noticed and I remember um, I was trying to get uh, I was really interested in working with Walker funnily enough and I did like a whole presentation and a printout and a pom-pom dog in a beautiful little red and white spotty box with a red bow and I remember dropping it off at Walker Books putting it on the receptionist's desk and the receptionist was like oh my god this is beautiful and I was like oh yeah this is like this is it man this is where this is my career and then they were like yeah, no, we don't like it. And I was like, no, but I spent like £30 on that. <laughs> so don't don't spend money on things is my advice as well. Keep it digital, maybe, to begin with. So, Ben, we are now coming to the end of drawing to the close of the podcast. So I would like to ask you, now you haven't got a studio mate, apart from Alice, and obviously you've got the kids sometimes in, in your studio at the end of the garden, but who would your, studio, your perfect studio mate be and why? Well, obviously... Obviously, because she'll listen, is Alice McKinley, my girlfriend. Of course. Um, obviously. But then, with slightly different criteria, I feel like we covered it earlier, anyone who'd be up for a pint on a Friday after a long a long week of work. And then do you know who I'd have? I'd have a random group of strangers from any coffee shop just come into my studio because I always work better in a coffee shop than I do in my own studio. I, so, when I'm, if I'm writing, I have to go to a coffee shop to write. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's because I like busyness. So I kind of like people doing stuff around me. That kind of helps me 
zone into work. So I'm not a quiet work person. I, you know, I, I listen to audiobooks or podcasts pretty much the entirety of the day, or like yeah. sort of a bit of a bit of French radio with um with with. Oh. Obviously, being a being a you know a, a, a Brightonian, no that's more. A good, that's a good tip, actually. Anyone who wants, you know, if you're not sure what to listen to, definitely look up FIP FIP uh, Radio, which is a fantastic French radio station. They play the most eclectic mix of well, anything they play: jazz, they play musicals, they play pop, they play rock, metal, everything, don't they? Yeah, opera. A bit of opera in there. I, I yeah. think that's why I like it because it's sort of you, you literally get everything, but also because it's in French and I don't know any. Um, you know, disgracefully, it's quite nice because you don't get distracted by no. what talking about and you know the kind of chat between. So it's actually really nice. Like, whereas Hannah Waddingham would be constantly distracted because she speaks French so brilliantly. Oh yes, yeah, exactly. I think Hannah. I'd like Hannah Waddingham to be my studio mate for a week. I think she'd be so entertaining. Uh, yeah, I, hey, I'm with you. Except, stop doing the loud singing. Uh, okay, I hear you. Uh, but no, I would but... like to, to occasionally shout shame at me from uh, from Game of. <laughs> <laughs> so many people didn't realise that she was the shame lady from Game of Thrones. It's funny. And the mum from, from Sex Ed. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, it's been in more, more things than you think. Um, also, Ben, before you go, this has been so much fun, but have you got anything that you would like to plug? What's coming up next? What's your next book that's coming out this year? <laughs> well, uh, um, that is a good question do you want me to go on amazon and find out for you could you that that genuinely is actually you know what i did look i you've got on amazon it's weird how these things happen you've got so many books that say untitled ben mantle coming out in june (laughs) that's either a good sign that's a good sign or a really bad sign isn't it you've got a few of those yes you might be late on yeah no you've got you've got three yes Untitled Ben Mantle 2, Untitled Ben Mantle 1, Untitled Ben Mantle 2, and 1. So that must be different publishers doing all that. I don't know. Anyway, um, they need to sort that out, I think. Yes. Now, when is... Oh, no, I look, I haven't seen Dexter Lost His Boo-Woo yet. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So so that is... Uh, that's that's good. That, uh, that's good to talk about. So that is with Shane Hegarty, who I did um, a, a series of... Yes, exactly, a series of fiction yeah. books with. And we did three um, sort of robot based fiction books and then uh with Hachette and that was a few years ago now uh, and that was covers and interiors and he's such a lovely chap um and we we got to do an event in Dublin together and then sort of a while back uh, Hachette emailed and said he'd written um two picture book titles actually um and so so yeah that'll be coming out but I think there's still a bit of a wait for that one actually that's that's 2024. Oh is it? Oh yeah I think so. Um, yeah. look, hold on, I'm going to go back. Let me just see. Um, oh, yes, you're right. Gosh, gosh, ages away. Yeah, March the 14th, yeah. 2024. But it's all, it's, it's all done. So all, all completed. But I think there's, yeah, that's now until 2024. But then I'm working on a, a second text of his pretty soon as well. So, um, but yeah, um, that, that, that book's great, actually. It's got such a sort of kind of, it almost feels like a kind of, like a classic, quite old school book where there's sort of, a bit of like it's kind of the kind of book I loved as kids, where there's a little bit of jeopardy in there. Yeah. Uh, not scary, but like it's kind of the, I, I love those books that that were slightly, yeah. slightly a little bit of creepiness. I don't know if you ever oh, yeah. read read the book I'm Coming to Get You. Do you know that one by Tony Ross? No, no, I don't. It was one of my favourite books as a kid, and it's about a kind of monster who's coming to get you on his way. He's destroying various planets one of them's people by like banana people uh and then 
I don't want to ruin the ending, but I'm going to. Spoiler alert if you if you don't want to know the ending. Okay. Yes, uh, it, it gets on, on every page. It's like, I'm coming to get you, and it's kind of mm. slightly creepy. And on the end, he's, he, you realise he's tiny. So he's just coming for one child. Oh. And then there's a nice little twist at the end where he's actually like, you know, the size of a sort of like a bug. And that was always one of my favourites because it kind of it kind of scared me a little bit. Yeah. But in kind of like a nice, safe way. And I think that's, you know, I think picture books gets to do that quite nicely. Right. It's sort of. I it's concur. So, I, um, I never remember who did it, but my, one of my favourites when I was little um, was Bears in the Night, I think it was called, and it was like um, up Spook Hill and then something scared you and then it was down, down to yes. Hill, over the river, yeah. over the bridge, da, 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 back in bed. And that was quite creepy and scary, but we loved it because it was all about the pacing and the, the, the scare and then read it as quickly as you can to help you get back into bed and be safe as quickly as you can. So it was very, very clever. Yeah, I like I like those ones. It's it's nice to sort of like you know you're sort of especially if you're being read to by a parent. It's kind of yes, it's comforting, but also there's something sort of exciting about it as well. But sort of, and I think that's you know, picture books gets that so nicely because it's sort of it's it's a really passive thing to do in a way. So yeah. it sort of can stop um, if it gets a bit too much. But I think that's why you can kind of push a slightly. Slightly creepy is maybe the wrong word, but um, no, but yeah, like you say, a bit of jeopardy, a bit of um, yeah, it's, it's fun to be a little bit scared, isn't it? Like when we were growing up, um, we had all those slightly creepy fantasy films like Labyrinth and Dark Crystal and everything, and they don't really make those children's films anymore. It's all Marvel and Star Wars and Disney and a bit. I don't know. It's not. They don't make creepy kids films anymore. I don't think it does. It does feel like that. Are we are we showing our ages here, Stephen? Is is this what's is this what's happening? I I know what you mean. I feel like I'm always kind of trying to make the books. Or there's like a sort of inti- like sort of internal fight between making the books I loved as a kid, yeah, and making the books that I feel like I should make, and they're quite they're two quite different things. Like kind of yeah away like one's much more child-led and then the other is always this kind of like trying to do something artistically different yeah. uh you know like so it's that tricky battle yeah yeah i oh, know it's really it? difficult but yeah yeah well look ben it's been so nice to catch up um we need to go for a drink sometime and um have a proper proper catch up but it's been so interesting hearing about your process and all your books uh, what is your website? Can you remember your website and where are you on Instagram? Well, no website. I canned my website like a few months ago because oh, okay. I just, oh. I, hadn't, I hadn't updated it for like an alarming amount of time. And I just thought, you know what? Let's just keep it to Instagram. Twitter and Instagram. So I think on Instagram, I'm like Ben Mantle Illo. Okay. Just because I was Ben M Mantle. And I think, which is my, my middle name is Mark. Uh, but I think that just got a little bit confusing. Um, because yes. no one knows my middle name is Mark except for everyone now. Um, so so I changed it to, to so it just had my actual name in. That's uh, a good idea. And also, that's a tip for, I know there's a lot of students listening. Um, um, my handle on everything used to be 2D Scrumptious because I thought I was hilarious because I did 2D animation, um, but also it's a pun on Truly Scrumptious from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, which no one really got. So always just stick to your name keep it simple it's like my um yeah. my first email address was uh was mumra the ever living at hotmail.com and i didn't use that for very long when i started doing professional work do you know what mine used to be my email something can i guess it's mm. uh, what's it gonna be she-ra related i know no. you're a big she-ra no um, 
Oh, okay, oh. T- tell me, tell me. Uh, Kathy Dennis rules at <laughs> Yahoo, Doctor. Are you kidding? <laughs> Why? So, I mean, so practical, so practical. <laughs> <laughs> and that's amazing. I think that's maybe the best advice for anyone. Is don't. That was my yeah. Don't use. Don't have Kathy Dennis in your in your email <laughs> unless you're Kathy Dennis. Uh, interestingly, um, Kathy Dennis is back in the studio writing new music. I've been told. That she's, she's, she's in your studio. Would that's she be your? <laughs> no. Um, well, I've got a friend who uh, who's writing with her, who's moved to Brighton, but I think they're writing in London. I don't think they're writing in Brighton, but well, you never know. It's very exciting. That I, uh, yes, that is exciting. It's not for me and um, <laughs> Kathy Dennis fans around the globe. Anyway, Ben, I've taken up so much of your time. This is the longest podcast yet, so this has been fantastic. Thank you. It's like a bubble yes. episode. Um, it can be but, both the longest and uh, with the least useful advice in, but with the most rude words that we've said. Yes, I, I think we've... we said the V word. <laughs> Unfortunately, we haven't said the other C word or the F word. So we're doing all right. We've done very well. Okay, well, thanks so much, Ben, and I will see you soon. You will. Lovely speaking to you, Stephen. Take care. Love to Alice and the kids. Toodaloo. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Although Family Fortunes has just finished, so there's not much else on, really. Is that that still going? It is. I got into it because when I met my parents, I watch it all the time because it's mum's favourite, Family Fortunes. She loves a bit of Gino DeCampo. Is it? Is it okay? I quite like Gino DeCampo. I didn't realise he presents it. It's quite funny. They were talking You're... about waving. Uh, is that a name something you can wiggle? And this guy said, "You're Willy." <laughs> He's right, though, isn't he? Yeah. Well, he is. But that's what Gino DeCampo said. But um, it did. It was. Uh, uh.